From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Pastor Mike Douglas here. Welcome to Lighthouse Live. Uh, and uh, tonight, not coming, actually, from the studios of ABC, we're moving. We're moving, We are yes. moving this week, and uh, actually, we'll uh, not divulge that location yet. So, actually, we are uh, somewhere mysteriously within the confines of Village One in, uh, <laughs> in, in Modesto. Greetings to you wherever you may be across the world. Again, welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you along with our producer and co-host Elaine Harlan, of course, our predecessor, the inimitable Mr. Al. And uh, tonight... With the uh, dogs barking in the barking background. Dogs. There we go. Well, that gives you a closer clue where we might be. Uh, <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll be celebrating Veterans Day with you with yes. special guests that we'll introduce to you uh, a little bit later. Right now, though, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with news of another real-life Jesus freak from the Voice of the Martyrs. His life in Iran was miserable, filled with drugs, prostitutes, and counterfeiting. But Hussein had a plan to escape it all. He would get high on the drug ecstasy and jump off a tall building. An old army buddy and fellow druggie called and told him, I've found something new. Hussein agreed to meet, hoping to try some new drug. Instead, his friend shared Jesus and even sent Hussein a secret package, a New Testament. In the months that followed, Hussein would trust Christ, commit his life to full-time ministry, be arrested, tortured, and miraculously released. His story is told in a recent issue of the Voice of the Martyrs newsletter. To sign up for the newsletter, go online to persecution.com. And back with you live here at Lighthouse Live. Just a reminder, friends, our telephone number, the website, does not change. You can always reach us and find more opportunities to serve. At area code 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. And if you'd like to check on new opportunities to serve on our daily update page, go to our website. That's www.vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. Click on the little red flashy thing yeah, there, the icon, and thing. it'll take you right to the daily update page, which Elaine updates several times a day. New opportunities to serve there. And again, none of that changes. We'll be moving into our new office in, a, in about a week or two and give you more information at that time. Now let's uh, check in in Sacramento with our friend Brad Dacus. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, 
Brad Dacus. Another student has come forward to confirm that a school counselor administered a pregnancy test to a 12-year-old classmate at Seven Hills Middle School in Nevada City last spring without her parents' knowledge. See, the girl was forced to take the pregnancy test and is being represented by attorneys with the Pacific Justice Institute in a lawsuit against the counselor and the school district. After all, no parent should have to worry about their daughter being forced to take a pregnancy test behind their back. Well, this school district and its counselor have repeatedly insisted that they never force girls to take pregnancy tests. Well, with this latest new witness to the contrary, it's time for this district to come clean. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live, Pastor Mike Elaine, in a very very uh, roundtable special uh, guest tonight as we celebrate Veterans Day here this week on Lighthouse Live, and we'll be introducing them to you in just a few moments. But first, let's take a look at opportunities to serve with the uh, Volunteer Center of the United Way's list, of uh, Lindahan list, actually. The Salvation Army Red Shield Center with the Community Thanksgiving Dinner, co-sponsored by the Red Shield and Series Rotary, is going to be held Friday, November 13th from 5 to 7. We are so close to Thanksgiving, aren't we? Volunteers ages 14 years and older are needed to help serve dinner and clean up between 4 and 7.30 p.m. Monetary donations, non-perishable canned foods and rolls are welcome uh, and appreciated. The Salvation Army Red Shield Center is a Christian-based community center for people of all ages whose purpose it is to provide positive character-building activities by offering educational, recreational, social, and spiritual programs. Now, the Salvation Army Modesto Corps Thanks for Giving Dinner is scheduled for Thursday, November 26th at 12 noon at the Modesto Center Plaza. Volunteers are asked to join the activities by helping set up, clean up, uh, help out with games, pictures. They're going to do face paintings and just a whole lot more. Might improve mine, you know, they, actually. <laughs> they may even we may check that out. a turkey on your face or something. Who knows? But uh, So what are you really saying? I'm then? not sure, but okay. I better keep going while I have All a job. Right. Three volunteer shifts are available between 9 and 4. Monetary donations and non-perishable canned foods are welcome and appreciated. The Salvation Army Modesto Corps provides assistance with emergency food, non-meals, information, and referral disaster aid, meals on wheels, youth programs, and senior services as well. Uh, the United Samaritan Foundation, that's another great organization, Thanksgiving Day dinner distribution, providing hot holiday meals uh, to the needy and serious Houston Keys, Modesto, and Turlock. That's happening on Thanksgiving Day. Also, volunteers are needed to help out with dinner preparation, uh, distribution of meals from the United Samaritan lunch trucks. You've seen those driving around, no doubt. Uh, and cleaning up after distribution at the Houston, Modesto, and Turlock sites. Volunteer shifts are available between 8.30 and 4.30, depending upon the site. Monetary donations and traditional pre-cooked holiday food items are needed to help provide the 2,000 meals this Thanksgiving. The United Samaritan Foundation Daily Bread Ministry provides hot meals or bag lunches uh, to the needy in Stanislaw County weekdays from its kitchens in Modesto, Houston, and Turlock. And they are really, uh, really uh, nice kitchens, too. We visited them. Very impressive. Uh, the Modesto Gospel Mission, a great Thanksgiving banquet and bundle up. It's going to be held on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, starting at 3 in the afternoon uh, for the needy and homeless in our community. And they will also be distributing coats 
for those in need. You know, since 1948, the Modesto Gospel Mission has provided nutritious meals, warm beds, and a place of safety for thousands of poor and homeless men, women, and children. We deeply appreciate Vern, Barb, uh, and all of the the uh, partners who make this community a caring one. We just uh, want to encourage you and just remind you that it's not just during the holidays that people are hungry and, and in need of nutritious meals. So we just, uh, you know, certainly around the holidays do that, but uh, remember those uh, who are in need uh, during the other times of the, of the year as well. And uh, for more information on any of these opportunities, call Barbara at 209-524-1307, extension 113, or you can email Barbara Borba at bborba at uastan.org. We're reminded uh, the holidays are here, so is winter very shortly. Blanket space heaters are needed. Many people cannot stay warm, and if you can help, let us know. And we'll tell you how you can do that at 209-544-9571. That phone number is going to remain intact and uh, available for you. You know, quite a few families are in need uh, at this time of major appliances uh, on their wish list, so to say, uh, items such as refrigerators, washers, dryers, and always beds. And we, you know, we always want to remind you that these appliances need to be good, clean, working uh, condition when you donate them. And it, also, if you can help deliver them uh, at this time uh, of need, that would be great too. So uh, it'd be really a cool idea if you want to help us deliver those right now. Again, our phone number is 209-544-9571. We'll be glad to connect you with those opportunities to serve, even in the midst of our move. Yeah, just a reminder, we talked about the Salvation Army and uh, the Homeless Center uh, there at 9th and D Streets. It is just a fantastic facility. If you haven't been there a while, uh, check out what they've done. And, and one of the commitments of uh, Major Darvin Carpenter uh, down there is that the homeless who, who uh, come uh, to the shelter, and it's an operation now. It started just about a week ago. One of his commitments is to preserve the dignity and the self-esteem of the clients who come there, and it's, they do everything from making sure they're little nightstands with lights, and they, instead of stepping out on a cold, hard floor, they have carpeting there yes. to, for the guests. Yes. So it is a really a first-class model operation. If you haven't had a tour of it, uh, please uh, please do so and ask them for that. And they need lots of different kind of volunteers. One, one of the big needs, Lane, is for intake, and right. they need people simply to stand outside and talk to the guests as, as they're arriving at the shelter in the night. They need uh, some people to do the actual intake process where they, you know, inventory the, the stuff that they bring and put it into storage, whether it's a backpack or a bicycle, whatever, and uh, and then to uh, direct them to where their bed will be for the evening. So a lot of good opportunities there, and uh, if you'd like more information, again, give us a call, and Elaine would be happy to connect you up. You bet. Plus, on our website, Pastor Mike, we still have the open dates for feeding. People can check that out if you want to serve meals. Mr. Al's hungry already. <laughs> You can do that. Just check the open dates and go to our uh, website and do that. Did we give our, our website out? Uh, we'll Did do it again. It's okay. www.vibrantcommunities.org. Vibrantcommunities.org. Click on the red flashing icon there, and it'll take you right to the daily update page. You know, this week on Lighthouse Live, Veterans Day is observed, and throughout our land, we have uh, all those who have uh, fought and served. We want to honor uh, in defense 
of the United States of America and those who serve and sacrifice and uh, just as we acknowledge our men and women who have served in times of war and you know Mike we think of World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Desert Storm and, and we want to continue uh, to honor and to thank those who are currently uh, serving our nation and, and sacrificing and, and tonight uh, we have several of those around this table uh, and in this home who have served. We think of uh, Grandpa Louis, who has served, and uh, was it Louis served in the Army? Is that right? Ar Army in Army, Korea. Army in yeah. Korea. And Got to drive the generals around, right? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Louis, for serving. And uh, our very own ABC's John Ingle served in the Army as well. John, thank you for your service. John was Korea as well, right, John? Korea? Yes. Korea, yes. And uh, our very own Al Ramsey also served. Corman, yes. Thank you, Al, for serving as well. You know, do uh, a lot of memorial services, Lots, and, yes. and, and many, many are, are Korean vets and, and World War II vets. One of the common denominators I found out as I'm talking to the families, you know, and, and, and be interested in your take on this, uh, generationally not a lot of World War II vets and even Korean vets talked about their service. And uh, and a whole new dynamic with Vietnam and, and the way the veterans were received. But uh, World War II in Korea, uh, I would ask the families, you know, what what did they say? You know, in, any stories? No, not many stories. But the common denominator is those who went on troop transport ships over to Korea and back said they came back hating rice. They just had their fill of it over there and just uh, had no stomach for it when uh, when they got back. And there were also some other delicacies there that we won't well, mention as well. We but. mentioned uh, our, our Al Ramsey served in, in Vietnam. My husband Doug also served in Vietnam. Just want to thank all of those. And you know, our, our guests tonight uh, are around the table. We have uh, our very own Chet Cardali, uh, along with Joe Maxwell and Phil Baker. Now these gentlemen not only have served in the armed forces, and we want to uh, ask these gentlemen where they have served. I know Phil Baker walked in and uh, Phil, you've served in, uh, where, where was it that you served? I've had the opportunity to serve in the Air Force Air back Force. in the, uh, the mid-70s, mid so just a four-year term, and um, it, was a, it was a great experience. Had a, uh, it was a good, uh, a good four years. It was uh, a good training for myself, and uh, it was um, something that I look back fondly on. Thank mm. you for serving, and, and Mr. Uh, Joe Maxwell. Thank you for being here with us tonight. I'm also. glad to be here tonight. We're glad you're here. And uh, where did you serve? I was on the uh, I was in the Navy, and um, I did get a chance to see the world. I mm. served uh, mainly out in the South Pacific. I can name probably about 20 places out there that I've, mm. I've been to, and the Navy did give me a chance to really see at least the western part of the world. Yeah, yeah. And Chuck Ardoli also. I mean, Chuck. Chuck is going to bring an added dimension tonight because uh, Chuck is also affiliated with a, a wonderful group, and I, I don't remember the exact name. You'll have to help me, but uh, commemorating uh, the Civil War. And uh, get, what's the name of the group, Chuck? The it's official? the uh, Sons of the Union Veterans of the Civil War, which is uh, heir apparent to the GAR, which was the Grand Army of the Republic, which was formed in 18, uh, right after the Civil War for the reunion of, of the Union uh, people to get together. And so, and the sons 
they, uh, the songs were started just right after that because uh, they knew they weren't going to live forever, of course. Right. And so the songs were to take over. So uh, that is uh, what I represent. And uh, now, I just want to—I want to make sure everyone understands. Chuck was not in the Civil War. <laughs> I'm glad you All right, said just, that. Mark. I am just clarifying. Well, some, Chuck was not in the Civil War. Some think but, I were. No, no. But but Chuck's part of a group that's yes. and and really it's a, a wonderful historical uh, uh, event to to go to one of their meetings and you do a lot of dedications and and such and help uh, uh, identify uh, graves of of uh, veterans of the Civil War that. Uh, have not been uh, memorialized, and and, even, and and you were talking earlier about the fact that the government uh, will supply headstones for those who have not been properly marked. Yes, they do, and uh, free of charge, and they deliver real quick. I mean, you know, they don't. It's and not we, a year we are, later. We are, later, we are talking later. about the government now. And we're you talking said about free the government, and government sure. all in one breath. <laughs> well, uh, so they've been, they've. Uh, Come through, real, and they do for the Confederates also. Yeah, the, that is a wonderful service. And uh, here in Modesto, we have uh, a wonderful uh, a section of a cemetery, uh, kind of near downtown Modesto, off Scenic Drive, well, dedicated to the Civil War, yes. and a few others around as well, too. There right? are actually two what we call plots, mm-hmm. the main one, and then there's a secondary, which has uh, some Civil War and other veterans buried there, like one from uh, or of, um, the Mex- American-Mexican War of 1846 mm-hmm. eight. There's one there. And uh, so, uh, and we uh, honor all those, and we put, uh, I think Phil can uh, elaborate more on uh, what we do. It's coming uh, uh, Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, Veterans Day. Veteran 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 day. day. I'm sorry, I'm right. sorry. Right. Memorial Day uh, actually was uh, started by the uh, Civil War veterans, the GAR, in 18, uh, if I mistake, uh, 1868, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was called... Uh, for many years, decoration, decoration day, day. to mm-hmm. uh, decorate the graves with flowers and stuff like that. And, it, and that stuck till about 1882 when they uh, wanted to change it to Memorial Day. But Decoration Day, I uh, remember as a, uh, when I was young that it was Decoration Day. and so. But now it means Memorial Day for all veterans. Yes, right. So. yes. Right. Can I ask what drew you to this? And I'd like to ask each one of you that. I mean, you didn't... You weren't just born saying, "I want to be a part of this Civil War group." What, what, uh, what was the attraction to, for well, you, Chuck? I I don't know. I've always been uh, a history buff mm-hmm. and stuff like that. One time, I even contemplated being a history teacher, which I didn't uh, right. get follow through. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I've always been interested. I don't know about the. It, I was thinking about that. How did I just narrow down that to to the Civil War? But it just evolved, I think, because. Um, uh, the history of Civil War and the social part of it is very, uh, and, uh, very strong and very interesting, and so I just got drawn to it. And so I just, uh, when um, there are the, uh, I'm not a reenactor. They have these, these Civil War reenactors, but it, you guys have never I, done I, that. You, you no, we don't do that. We uh, do dedications. We are a part of us uniformed and everything when we do dedications. And I saw pictures of you dressed up. Yes, yes. Uh, that was just in. Um, <laughs> We just did a dedication for uh, in Jenny Lynn, uh-huh. and uh, so uh, there was eight. There were about eight, nine veterans buried there, and uh, that they uh, with the headstones, uh-huh. and so we did a dedication there. There was one uh, sergeant uh, Dawson, I, uh, 
the name escapes. But anyway, he was one of the colored Jews, and uh, he's buried there. And so it was a dedication uh, primarily for him, but for all veterans. So that's what we do, remembrance of the uh, Civil War veterans. Uh, the memorials, like if there's uh, cannons or something, like, we keep try to keep track of those. And record the Civil War grave sites and everything in, in a big uh, – uh, for well, for people who are doing genealogy, it helps too because it, they can trace some of their ancestors and everything like that. So we do. That's what we do mainly. Is there, uh, as we say, uh, remember the boys in blue. So. Yeah. Now, one time they actually fired off the cannon downtown, right? Oh, then yes. We don't do we don't do that anymore because it hurts somebody's ears. I understand. <laughs> well. <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah. Did, we we did run into a little problem on that, but it, nobody know, got arrested look, or anything. Looking uh, <laughs> looking back on that, yes. mean, that, that was an event that we did probably about five years ago. That we had a uh, a uh, display at the McHenry Museum for a month, mm. and uh, wow. part of that month's worth of activities, we did do a live reenactment out front on Eighth Street, <clears throat> which. Um, it went actually really well, but the uh, the cannon was louder than we actually thought it was going to be. But uh, well, but so that's... it did create it did actually it was a great event. Yeah, short, short of Absolutely. the cannon, Why? it was a, a great event. I think with the cannon, it was a great idea. Well, uh, the ex- <laughs> well, there was no window. It, it was in the window. It but was, I, I think well, how many, what was it, how many it uh, was, eardrums it was did we break? Eardrum. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> there was a. Uh, Legal dispute over, over that issue for uh, some period of time. I think it finally got settled. I don't know whether it went to court. Oh, it, or not. no, it got settled. In fact, uh, there was two uh, filed suit, and uh, one uh, did collect some, but uh, the other one uh, it was thrown out. They don't test these things before they actually happen. I, I think. Well, <laughs> they, they they use these you know type of artillery pieces all the time. Yeah. But so. the the difference between putting it out in a field and open ground as opposed to on asphalt between buildings. In the middle of traffic. The, uh, the concussion you know, piece was a little bit more than they anticipated. Uh, hello. <laughs> so the... Uh, well, you know, there's a wonderful, and, and I don't know if you've been to it or not, a wonderful uh, reenactment that takes place at Angel Island. Hmm. I've been part of that or not, but uh, um, my son and I actually went down there, and they have a program. They have a uh, a ranger there, and uh, it was a she uh, at that time, and well, she probably still is a she. That's not what I meant at that time. But a female was the. You know, please go on. No cards and letters. All right, I'm just trying if to get you do, through please send the them to story. Him, not me. All right. Anyway, she was uh, the uh, uh, the commander for the day, and actually, they they brought kids uh, in fifth, sixth, fifth, sixth graders. And um, put them in Civil War uniforms and taught them the the various jobs of of the camp. And they would actually at 2 in the morning have to get up and and do an hour's watch. And and they had to go help make bread. And and, uh, they taught them. Uh, and, and I didn't realize at that time, but they were actually, it wasn't semaphore, but they're doing Morse code with flags. And when they mentioned flags, I was thinking semaphore and, uh, Where's our Navy, Navy man over here? But, uh, but it wasn't a semaphore. It was actually Morse code using flags and absolutely fantastic. Anyway, they have a, at the end of the day, there's a cannon up there that, that's a vintage cannon from the Civil War and, and they fire it, uh, over the bay. And it's just a magnificent, uh, magnificent time. And there's also a hike. 
way up. Did you do it? You know, I did, and and Josh was very proud, although a little embarrassed that, you know, <laughs> there weren't too many dads over 50 there, you but know, you so I was it. the representative cool. of, and uh, we made it up the hill, finally, and, and took the hill. So, you know, but, the, uh, go ahead. There's, a ne- there's an island right next to Angel Island called Alcatraz, <laughs> yeah. and one of our uh, speakers here tonight uh, has an intimate uh, situation with uh, Alcatraz and the Civil War Club. Oh. Well, let's hear Phil about that, and Phil. Phil, who might that be? That might be one of the, um, you know, the interesting things that, you know, we contend with all the time is that the fact that most Civil War activities, if, especially if you read the history books, took place on the East Coast. There isn't, there right. isn't much you read about California in the Civil War. So it's always a bit of a challenge. And even when we formed this group about 10 years ago, it was really more a way of for some of the folks who live here to kind of share the Civil War history without having to go back east all the time because that obviously gets a little time-consuming and a little expensive. But one of the uh, the areas that we have kind of uh, grabbed onto that was a Civil War-era fort, which then later became the penitentiary at Alcatraz, was that uh, Fortress Alcatraz was a army fort before it became mm-hmm. the, the penitentiary. So a, a group was formed about three years ago called the uh, Friends of Civil War Alcatraz, working with the National Park Service. And we have been, uh, during that period, have worked uh, the last few years to put together a um, Civil War interpretation of Alcatraz. So if you go wow. to Alcatraz today... And uh, you you yet might have to ask the right people, but yet there is a Civil War interpretation that is done by the Park Service on Alcatraz since a lot of the buildings that are even there now were built during the, uh, the Civil War period, even though Alcatraz wasn't used in a defensive way during the Civil War. There wasn't any activity. They, they might allude to some small... Oh, um, you know, issue that tries to give it some grandeur, but there really wasn't much happening here. But it was an integral part of protecting San Francisco Bay, which was an integral part of protecting the California gold fields, which was very important to the Union, which ultimately California was a Union state. So Alcatraz played a role, even though they were never engaged in a uh, major conflict. But we are ongoingly putting together piece by piece a history of Alcatraz mm. from the Civil War vantage point. And without going into a lot of detail, you know, the opportunity of seeing some of the Civil War era buildings that are still there, uh, they are there if you know what you're looking for. And um, just a slight uh, bit of information that one year from now, we are going to have what we call a West Coast Civil War Conference to be held at Alcatraz, which will be quite a uh, mm. big event wow. for yeah. the Civil War group out in this area. So it should be a neat, uh, a neat time to share that piece of history. Now, the, the, the purpose of the fort there, was it because there was a fear of the Confederacy interfering with commerce, the delivery of gold, or smuggling? Well, they actually built the fort. I mean, you look at they started building this fort, and, and maybe Pre- someone can correct me, about 1850. Okay. And it was built to defend from the British. I mean, when you look <laughs> at the history, I mean, the British had just been 38 years prior, had right. been in our capital, and they burned Washington, D.C. in 1812. So we were still in the mode of protecting our 
harbors and our coastline from the British, the Confederacy wasn't a thought in 1854, 1855. Mm -hmm. So the fort was there prior to the Civil War. So once the Civil War happened, it certainly became an integral part of San Francisco's protection for that. And there's also another fort right under the Golden Gate called Fort Point, which is a very, uh, very intact uh, Civil War era fort. I, I, I must admit, I have never been to Fort Point, which is hard to, hard <laughs> that to believe. That is hard to believe. But they say it's hard you, to get to the point. There, <laughs> if well, you see Fort Point, you see Fort Sumter, which is sitting in the middle of Charleston Harbor, a very close, uh, comparable oh, fort right? style because yeah. they were built at the same time in the All same right. style. So if you don't ever have the chance to go to South Carolina to see Fort Sumter, which is a prominent Civil War historic site, mm-hmm. you might opt to go to Fort Point and see a very similar fort construction. This conference happening next year, will all of you guys be there? Probably not. Well, we will all be there. We, yes. will all be we are yeah. integral. Really plan will. to be there. Oh, yes. yes. Maybe we yes. can do a remote from there. You think? I, that would be Live exciting. Live from Alcatraz. And they might yes. even yeah. keep us, hopefully. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Al will swim there, no doubt. But Chuck, I know you've been there. What uh, uh, a lot! Oh, Alcatraz. Yes. Well, yeah. I'm. Uh, I belong to the. Not in the, the penitentiary st- days. We will. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't say if I. <laughs> no. Never locked down. No. Uh, no. I, I'm part of these uh, friends of the Civil War Alcatraz myself, yes. and so um, yeah, I've been there uh, the last uh, year, almost two years, about eight to ten, nine times, and. Uh, and we have Civil War days there a couple times a year where they get uh, Civil War reenactors there, like, uh, was it a week ago? No, two weeks ago, Saturday. On the, we had, there was about 70 reenactors on there reenacting mm-hmm. uh, Civil War. So those people coming on the boat, most of them don't know about it until they get there. Then they'll see a uniform. They kind of wonder what's going on. And then they, uh, then they, they find out, uh, you know, through uh, talking to the uh, various people and the and the National Park people and stuff like that. So, are there a lot of reenactments here on the West Coast? Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not a reenactor, but uh, there's uh, all up and down. There's, uh, oh, let me say, 35 probably. Is that reenactments, right? Yeah, during the season. I would say probably. during the summer, you can probably almost every week, someplace in California, there's a reenactment yeah. going yeah. on. I think I think the the hurdle you always see though is the scale. You know, the, the, okay, large, sure. the largest reenactment that I know of in California is in Fresno, and they may have two or 300 reenactors, mm-hmm. where truly, if you go back east to some of the more prominent reenactments that happen, you will have twenty and 30,000 reenactors. Is that right, really? So they'll yeah. virtually yeah. have as many reenactors on the field that were there were during actually the there, real battle. Yeah, so sure. it becomes a much more mm. you know, larger mm. event, a much more... Uh, Probably a more interesting event. There's only so much you can reenact with a couple of hundred people versus a couple of thousand people. So it's it's the scale. Well, Gettysburg last year, I think, and of course it was a big one of the biggest, uh, you know, uh, uh, fields. Uh, then they have things anniversary. I think last year they had uh, seventeen thousand reenactors there. That's quite a few reenactors. Have you ever participated, Joe? In one no, of I, I have. That's something I haven't done. Okay. You know, uh, it, it just. I know we're bumping the clock here, but there's something about going to some of these, like Gettysburg, actually going to the site 
and uh, seeing the the topography and just getting a feel for you know what it really looked like that, that brings things uh, to life a little bit and uh, i think you know one of one of the downsides of living here you know, a lot of upsides here of living in california the downsides is our we don't have that we're not in touch with that physical part of our history you know uh, we have some wonderful history in 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 terms of of the west and such but uh, when you go back to the revolutionary war and the civil war you know going back and seeing the sites actually you you feel it you feel it come to life and you can understand you know some of the uh, the drama and the battles and and, and I think when occur. you do have the opportunity and I think everybody here actually have gone we've all gone to Gettysburg together at different points and uh, it probably is also one of the more awesome. preeminent places yeah. to go but it is very intact yet to this day so if you do read about accounts that took place on the field from different uh, uh, soldiers that were there you can uh, as you say still kind of get the feel of when they talk about going up a hill or down a hill or over a fence or over over a, some sort of a, a barrier they're they're still there so you can get the the sense of of the topography but on the other hand i don't think you can ever regain the sense of being in a in a battle type situation that would take place you know that's and, probably and especially not if walmart is now where the battle <laughs> correct that well, just that... takes a little bit off of it there's a uh, Gettysburg is probably one of the few places that actually is pushing back quite hard yeah. against development that took place over the years that they're actually gaining ground back by buying. But it's expensive, and sure. and it's always a on forever ongoing project. Uh, well, we've got more on Lighthouse Live's Veterans Day special with our special guest. But let's first take a moment to enjoy a great tribute to Old Glory. This is from Phil Stacy, and we'll return on Lighthouse Live. In the midnight hour I see her Waving proudly through the night The stars and stripes she bears Are a glorious sight She represents all the heroes Who couldn't stand to see her fall They represent this great nation And remind us all There is still a land of freedom And a home for the brave A nation under God Where justice reigns There's a country united However different we may be we can walk a little taller when we see Oh, glory There is strength within her colors And her courage all can see and That brings hope and peace to some And others to their knees There is power in her presence There's a country 
sacrifices made, the battles we've won, and the prayers we've prayed. Let's make sure that our heroes didn't sacrifice in vain. Let us join together and proudly. Stacy, old glory. That is awesome. On Lighthouse Live. Isn't that incredible? With Pastor Mike, mm. Elaine, and our very special roundtable of guests this evening, Chuck Gardali, Phil Bake, Phil Blake, I'm going to get that right, <laughs> Phil, and John, uh, Joe Maxwell. Phil by any other name. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we are just so blessed to have you here as we honor all of those men and women who have served and are serving our armed forces this evening. We have Al Ramsey, John Ingle with us, and Louis Ellsworth as uh, roaming around uh, the premises that we're here tonight. And all of you who are listening, no matter where you are, we just thank you for tuning in because we want to honor and thank you as well. Um, we, uh, we have with us the men who... Uh, who uh, not reenact, but who uh, celebrate the Civil War and keep uh, keep things going. And it's just interesting to hear all about what brought you to uh, what led you to do these things and all of the different things that you celebrate and remember as you do this. I'm just curious, how many of there are you that do this, Chuck, on a regular basis? Nationwide, or <laughs> well, in, in the group, I know that ABC has housed you for a while. As you, uh, well, I, well, within the, this area, I don't know. It's really hard to tell. Uh, the Stanislaw Civil War Association has uh, was it filled forty members, active members. The SUV, of course, has some of them too. So we're we're kind of a small organization, about sixteen to eighteen, and um, and there's many more just out there who don't belong to a, an organization, but they have a common interest because of history. Sometimes mm-hmm. they've had ancestry, uh, so they get interested and either join or they just uh, keep on or just reading about it. There's probably, uh, well, I have, no, I have no idea. And across the nation, I'm oh, sure. Oh, across the nation. Oh, I have 
course, in many thousands, naturally, maybe a million mm-hmm. or two. I, when you got the, Phil, have you heard anything? No, I don't. <laughs> I, you know, I, I've never heard any uh, hard figures at all. When you have the Civil War Roundtable groups uh, as well right. in some other parts right. of the state and, oh, and yeah. the country, very popular. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, there's, it is a very unique uh, conflict, you know, on our soil, you know, with uh, with our our people. And not a, not an external threat, and so it makes it a, a, a unique thing that many generations uh, have been touched by. And as we uh, as we come to this Veterans Day, and we're, we're thinking uh, about the many wars that uh, the United States has been involved in, or the, or the conflicts, as the case may be, whatever name was put on it, uh, just want to go around the table a little bit and and uh, just get your your personal take on uh, you know what does Veterans Day mean to you? I mean. Uh, for many younger generations, it's a holiday, it's a day off of school, and I think uh, sometimes we kind of lose touch with, with what it's all about. But I'd be curious, as uh, men who are uh, military veterans, what does that day mean to you personally? And let's start over here with, uh, with Joe. Well, you know, for someone that's served, uh, I look back, I guess my first memory of anyone serving in the service was my father. Mm-hmm. He served in World War II, and he mm-hmm. was uh, aboard a uh, destroyer that was kamikaze right off of Okinawa. They uh, lost one-third of the crew. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I grew older, uh, that's how I became interested in um, following what happened during World War II, and that's how I came in through the back door in the Civil War because there just wasn't any groups around that covered World War II. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, being a veteran and knowing Veterans Day is coming up, it's real close to me because you know my father and what I mm. what I I did during the service, and uh, it, I I just I'm I'm just thrilled to be a veteran and to be among the many many millions that serve this country. Amen. Absolutely. And in the Navy, uh, what what were your uh, assignments? Uh, I was. A, my last assignment was with the admiral staff, and, and our admiral was in charge of all the aircraft carriers in the Seventh Fleet. This is we were stationed off of Okinawa, and uh, we would fly between aircraft carrier and aircraft carrier. And so I was aboard USS Ranger, Midway, Hancock, wow. Kearsarge, and uh, we were right in the middle of um, uh, the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, uh, we were coming back uh, from uh, an assignment over in uh, Japan, right. Uh, when the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, I think, officially started October 17, 1962. And uh, uh, being aboard with an admiral staff, we were one of the first people to know about it. Kennedy didn't uh, notify the public until about uh, the 21st of October. So uh, we aboard the admiral staff knew about the all you know what, the preparations for going to war. Wow. It could have been very serious, and that's that was my experience. I imagine that was a little tense. Yeah, it was very you. tense, and you know the funny thing of it is, I I my girlfriend who I married uh, met my ship. She had come out from Indiana, and we were we came into San Diego. Mm-hmm. And there we were on the on the aircraft carrier waving to their to them ashore. I was supposed to get go ashore, but in the middle of the crisis mm. we couldn't. And so I couldn't explain to her why I couldn't come ashore. She'd come twenty four hundred miles to see me, oh. and I couldn't oh, I couldn't get a, get ashore to see her. We were that close <laughs> no. together. Wow, <laughs> Chuck, what about you? What does Veterans Day mean to you? Well, I'm going to reflect back to World War II, which I uh, was very 
just a youngster then, but uh, at that time, my uh, uncles are all in the service and mm. stuff like that, I, and they're all they're gone now. And uh, but uh, most of them are in the navy, and uh, one was uh, in the army. And uh, but I remember taking my uncle to uh, Government Island, which was a, 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 at one time a, a Coast Guard training facility, which has been closed and stuff like that. And I was just seven or eight years old or something like that then. And, uh, well, as always, you know, these um, these men uh, kept us free. And uh, most of my uh, relatives, they didn't, uh, none of them were lucky enough. To, I, mean, uh, I mean, they were lucky enough to come back uh, uh, in one piece, let's put it mm-hmm. that way. And they sure. weren't wood and all that mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, but uh, so... And when you uh, get older and stuff like that, you uh, remember all these people. They they, they did a, a service, you know. But it's kind of so, somewhat overlooked, especially people who uh, are not related. I mean, you get, you get away from this, and, and you, you, it kind of is not real. But yeah. it is real. Yeah, and absolutely. It continues to be. So, mm. so if, uh, Navy, Army. No, no, I had medical problems. I couldn't. I, I couldn't get into the service. So at the time, so I didn't serve. I guess I'm serving now, so to speak. Mm. <laughs> you know, my my grandfather I mean, had that. You know, I mean, I just, uh, my grandfather tried to tried to get recruited for World War II, and uh, just didn't weigh enough. He, he oh, was kind of no, a small man, very thin, and <laughs> and uh, told him, <laughs> told him, go home and eat a bunch of bananas, and you know, come back <laughs> in a couple hours and. Tried that, still, uh, still couldn't get in. But uh, uh, relatives of his, as as with you, Chuck, uh, had served in the war. His uh, his brother uh, was killed in World War II, and and so that uh, that brings it home. But you're right. You know, when years pass and we become generationally so distanced from it, unfortunately, sometimes we forget. And uh, you know, God was all about reminding the nation of Israel what He did. Yes. And in the Old Testament, replete with yeah. um, uh, monuments and memorials, mm-hmm. so that we can remember. And that's one of the things that we need to do with Veterans Day is give that uh, proper uh, memory. Now to the Air Force, right, Phil? That's Blake? right. We I had the opportunity to serve in the Air Force. The Air Force, uh, you know, doesn't offer you the uh, the or doesn't sell you on the fact that you're going to see the world. You know, my my world in the Air Force was uh, in the, in the United States, uh, Southern California, which really wasn't too bad. But uh, but uh, uh, I did have the opportunity to serve in the Air Force from '75 to '79, and I was stationed uh, various places in the United States. But ultimately, the, the, the I served in the Strategic Air Command, which is uh-huh. a SAC base. We did. Uh, I was a uh, airborne. Uh, radar repair on B-52s and, and KC-135 tankers. So we flew out of um, March Air Force Base, out of uh, Riverside, California. But obviously the difference between the Air Force, we, we could fly to uh, uh, Alaska or, or wherever we needed to be in a day or so as opposed to floating on a boat. But uh, It was called a ship in the Navy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would come up. <laughs> Boats are that, submarines in the Navy. <laughs> I, I, I stand corrected on the, 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 uh, the technical talk of a Navy. But, uh, 
But I think the uh, but an but, aircraft's but, uh, a ship but, too, right? Yeah, it's an oh, airship. yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. There's uh, there's similarities there, there but it, it did they did again. It gave me the uh, the opportunity to uh, to experience some things that you you wouldn't normally uh, be able to uh, to do as a, a civilian. I think the the military. Uh, I realized the uh, the inherent dangers when people talk about joining the military, but it does give people an opportunity to. Uh, to uh, serve their country, mm. and it does give them the opportunity to to learn different uh, technical skills and things that you may not have the opportunity in uh, in the civilian life. But I think ultimately, and I think even for those you know around the table that have served in the military, you even if it isn't people that you you served with. I mean, I, I've known you know a couple of these fellows for years and years now, and we we've kind of grown together. But I think there, you know, there was a movie a few years ago called Band of Brothers that mm-hmm. was on mm-hmm. uh, on HBO or, mm-hmm. or some movie channel. But uh, it was a well well done documentary on. I don't think you ultimately can really understand, you know, what what people put into certain circumstances, how they react, how they how they will do anything for the man next to them. And when we relate this story back even to Civil War, when you when you read about men who just walked into and truly walked into battle shoulder to shoulder, knowing, you know, looking ahead and seeing what was going to happen. It's hard to fathom how you could get men to do that. But story over story over story says, I only did it because the man next to me, who was my brother or father or friend, they were going. And if they're going, I'm going. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's that it's that consistent. And it's probably been that way since, you know, the, the time of, uh, uh, the, the Israelites or whatever that mm-hmm. the only reason mm-hmm. people did it was for the man standing next to him mm-hmm. and it's a uh, it's a unique uh, bond it is a yes. unique bond that, yes. that you only feel probably in that circumstance yes. you you mentioned uh, you know the fact that uh, military service oftentimes gives people certain skills and, mm-hmm. and training they can use uh, later on uh, and you were working Radar tech is airborne radar, airborne which radar. wasn't really very cross trainable into the uh, civilian yeah. world <laughs> for a lot of uh, a lot of that, but uh, but yes, it it did have some uh, some cross trainable uh, opportunities, but uh, but just the you know again for me just the uh, now to share with my grandkids and yeah, uh, sure. be able to go to a uh, an air show or some sort of thing because most of the aircraft that I worked on are now in. Air shows that uh, <laughs> they're still flying the 52s, oh, yeah. but uh, but again, it's fun to be able to uh, to share with them a bit on what right. uh, you know what you do when you're in the when you service type of thing. But uh, it's always a uh, a good experience. And you mentioned the tanker, whose 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 job mm-hmm. is to refuel, mm-hmm. and uh, had the opportunity to be aboard. Um, when uh, they actually refueled another mm-hmm. aircraft and and be in the in the pod in the pod, mm-hmm. and that was the most fascinating mm-hmm. thing I think I've ever seen. Pretty you know how, how you, you got these two aircraft going at you know a lot faster than my seventy three duster goes for <laughs> sure. But hooking themselves up to and hooking yeah, hooking themselves up to a fuel hose and, and actually making that happen in the air. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a beautiful thing. It's just it absolutely is. amazing. I imagine that training takes uh, a long time to accomplish. It is. It's a uh, and I did have the same opportunity to fly uh, yeah, and, uh, and uh, see how that took place in the air. But uh, again, it is it is amazing. Those are the things I always sometimes 
comically laugh when uh, you see some of these young young men and women who go in the service, and by the time they're 19 or 20 years old, they are, at least from the Air Force's standpoint, in charge of a piece of equipment such as an aircraft that could be anywhere from $50 million to $200 million piece of equipment. That's yeah, something. And a lot of times in civilian life, you know, you go to work someplace and they won't t- let you touch the copy machine because, it, <laughs> because it, you know, it's a four or $500 piece of equipment. And you think it's just a different level of responsibility that they put That's on right. these people that ultimately bears well because well, they. Well, don't you think it's interesting, you know, when, when the responsibility is there, and and life or death hangs in the, the balance. Yes. You step up to the plate. Yep. Yeah, even at uh, at an early age like that. And I think too, you know, you think back to our our twenties, and uh, I wasn't in the military, but you know, went into law enforcement. You were and, twenty once, huh? and uh, I was I was <laughs> once. And uh, you know, we do stuff, and we're willing yeah. to you know charge hell with a squirt gun when yeah, we're that when we're that old. But yeah. uh, and I, I think it you know sometimes. Uh, you know the old saying is, in, in some of those jobs, it's uh, it's an old man's job inside a young man's body because you need the wisdom and the maturity to make good decisions, but you need that young man's body to to carry it out. He's Speaking many, of a yes, young Johnny. young man over here, the uh, ever ready bunny of of uh, ABC, John Engel served in the Army uh, in Korean War, and uh, John, what are your thoughts about Veterans Day and and uh, your period of service to the country. Well, twofold. Number one, you're speaking of trades. You learn trades. I really had some good trade learning. I was a master uh, potato peeler, <laughs> pots and pans man. The Air Force has people that do that for That's you. That's right. Oh, <laughs> I got a lot of it. Oh, here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, learn how. To, that's where I learned how to drive with a wheelbarrow because uh, you know in boot camp that's uh, so everybody falls for that stuff. And uh, and I didn't always do things right, so I was in the kitchen quite a bit. I had all kinds of duties, that I, unfortunately, um, that I had to learn. But uh, what is uh, Memorial Day? Memorial Day is is probably the most in life to me for the people the most serious uh, event because of the horrendous traumatic experiences that people have had. And for those who, when you're young, nothing's going to happen to you. It just isn't going to happen. And you don't think about it. So for the men and women um, who've lost their lives in foreign lands, in not pleasant places, what they've gone through, what they've experienced, for the most humbling is when I, in San Francisco, when you see all the rolling hills and you see all the white crosses, or when you walk up to a board, a wall, and you see all the names, the people that are not coming back, um, that's that's to me that's that's it's not a ticker tape parade on Memorial Day and all that and apple pie and having fun. It's what really went through and what it took to get the job done and the men and women that made the sacrifices. That to me is so uh, so emotionally humbling uh, for those people. 
And, of course, the ones that are coming home today and the men and women that are in hospitals that have sacrificed mm. beyond mm. comprehension and uh, how they dealt with it. And, you know, another thing that you think about, the sacrifices, and it's not often thought about, by the way. I don't think by men it is. It sure never was with me. Um, but And that is the people that are left at home when all of us left at different times, if you're going overseas or if you're, if you're just staying in the States, but you're going to, you usually don't wind up in your hometown. You usually shipped out somewhere else. But it's the idea that you're gone. And what happens when you're gone? And the women are left. And if they have children and the mothers and the dads, and nobody's there to support them. There's very little support for women today. Of, out of Iraq and Afghanistan. Very little support for these families. They're on their own and they don't make much money. And so there's not much support for them. Are they the heroes? You bet. And then they come home and they're all messed up, a lot of them, and now they have to deal with that. So here their life is in their 20s and then they come home and uh, they're still in their 20s. But now all of a sudden they made that sacrifice. Now everything's all just uh, willy-nilly now. I mean, it's, they can't understand how they, what's going on. So these are tremendous sacrifices that people make. Amen. John, we're bumping the clock a little bit, unfortunately, but I think your point's well taken. Yes. Uh, that is the families, yes. you know, make tremendous sacrifices. And so as we honor the veterans this Veterans Day, we also want to uh, thank and pray for their families as well. And uh, thanks, too, to um, the corpsmen. And the medics in the field, uh, Al, our, our printer, Cecil, representing them. And a lot of ugly stuff that uh, people saw during uh, World War II, Korea, Vietnam especially. And uh, we thank all of you uh, for your service to our country. Thank all of you for being with us tonight on yes. uh, Lighthouse Live. You all are magnificent. We just want to say a big God bless you and a big thanks to all of you who served. Tonight our guests, Phil Blake, Joe Maxwell. Chuck Gardali, Al Ramsey, John Ingle, and Louis Ellsworth. Thank you to you, too. Thanks to all of you who are listening, and thank you for serving and sacrificing for the United States of America. God bless you.